Welcome to the She Who Wins podcast. I'm your host, Renee Bauer. I'm an attorney, entrepreneur, author, speaker, and investor. This is the place where we dive into all of the things that matter to you and most importantly, uncover what's holding you back from realizing your dreams. Because she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins. After practicing law for 20 years, I noticed that there are so many women out there who are not speaking their truth. They're staying silent. They're suffering quietly. So this episode is all about finding the power in your voice. Let me introduce you to my guest, Dr. Cheryl Wood. She's the CEO of Global Speakers University, a training and development company that equips women with the tools to master the art of sharing their unique voice, story, and message. She's an international two-times TEDx speaker. She's a 20-times best-selling author. She's delivered keynotes to clients such as NASA, Verizon, Capital One, the FBI, United Nations. It goes on and on. She's been featured in every major media outlet there is, such as Forbes and ABC News and Huffington Post. But she is an absolute delight, and she radiates energy and positivity. And I'm so excited for you to meet Dr. Cheryl Wood. Cheryl, welcome. I'm so, so, so excited to have this conversation with you today. And you look fabulous to this morning. Thank you. This is just for you and your community. So. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, I like to say I would be in all of my mommy glory, which my mommy <laughs> glory is ripping and running my kids you know, to school, picking them up, dropping my daughter off at work, picking her up. So it does not normally look like this. This is just for you. <laughs> Oh, I'm so honored. But that that <laughs> other look is okay too and yes. so much part of like real life. So yes. you are a sought-after speaker. Every time I see you, you're on a different stage in front of a different audience. You're amazing. I'm so excited to have you a speaker at the She Who Wins Summit, which we'll talk about later on. But right now I want to talk about like how you got to where you are doing what you do. Um, mm. so I want a little bit of like, like we, I, your bio that I just went through is amazing, but I want to know like a little bit of like the messiness and how you got to what, where you are. Yeah. I love that, that you're asking that because a lot of times people see us in our chapter 10 or 12 and I'm like, if you, if, if chapter 12 is this sexy, you already yeah. know chapters one through 11 was a hot mess. So <laughs> So, you know, growing up as a young girl, if I can really take you kind of to the start, I grew up in a space of scarcity because I was in a poverty-driven environment. I grew up in an inner-city housing project where we just did not have access to the nicer things in life. So we struggled. My mom was a single parent raising three children. And in this environment, no one was telling you that you could be a giant in the world you really kind of, it was embedded in your mind that you would be another statistic because of where you come from. Um, so every day that I walked out of my front door in this 13-story high, high-rise building, I saw the worst parts of life. I saw people who were addicted to drugs. And then on the opposite corner were the people who sold them those drugs. I saw teenage pregnancy at very young ages, as young as 13 and 14. I saw mm. people who went to work every single day and still struggled to put food on the table for their families, including my mother. And then, unfortunately, to add to that, there was a greater dysfunction within my own household because my father, when he was around, which was kind of here and there, 
suffered from alcoholism. And that just caused him to really wreak havoc on our lives. So when you're in that environment, you know, it's very hard to foresee that there's going to be anything greater about who you can become in the world. You really do get into a mode of thinking that, wow, I'm just going to be a product of my environment. So I went through that that stage as a young child. I grew up in that and then graduated high school ultimately um, because my mom was like one of those really, really strict parents. You talk about a helicopter mom. I I don't know what what she was called then, a jet mom, but she was always hovering over (laughs) us. Like she kept us on the straight and narrow and she did not play. And thank God, because it did keep us on the straight and narrow. And I went through high school. A lot of the friends that I grew up with didn't make it out of high school, dropped out of high school, or honestly didn't even make it out of that environment alive with their lives because they really succumbed to some of the vices in that environment. Um, so when I grew out, came out of high school, graduated high school, I didn't go off to college. I didn't go off for four years of fun and higher education and self-discovery because my goal was I don't want to stay in poverty. So I went straight from high school into the workforce with no college degree, no, you know, no higher education, just kind of driven to get out of that scarcity environment that I was in. And the crazy part about that was once I came into the workspace, I had another group. I felt like I had another group of people telling me that I could never be a giant in the world because I didn't have letters behind my name. So I didn't have that piece of paper that qualified me with my, my my air quotes, qualified me to be a giant and do amazing things. So when I start to look back at my past, it just seemed like everything on my journey was aimed at telling me who I couldn't be, what I couldn't do, what I couldn't accomplish, that my voice didn't matter, that my skills and my talents and my life really didn't matter on a grander scale, and that I should just be happy with what was handed to me. And there was just something inside of me that fought that. Like tooth and nail, I was like, I just can't accept that. I get to decide what my destiny is going to look like the moment I decide that I'm going to be the director of my own life and I'm going to direct my moves. And I don't know how that's going to happen. That's how I felt at times. I don't know the how. I never know the how. But I do know that I am driven enough. I am curious enough to explore what's possible versus oh, I have to accept this as my truth and my reality because of where I've grown up and what other people tell me that I can do or can't do. Oh my God. And so right now you have all of the paper and the diplomas and the certifications (laughs) behind you. So like that, that's amazing. And I got to tell that story too. Let me, let me just tap into that really, really quickly because that's so critical I did not allow what other people said I needed to prevent me from pursuing greater. And that's so critical that women hear that wherever you are in your life or your career or your business, that you got to start with what you already have. And I believe by being in motion, consistently in motion towards the exploration of something greater, that doors will be open for you. Opportunities will expose themselves. Relationships will unveil themselves that will push you into the next season of who you're destined to be versus waiting on everything to be perfectly in alignment and you to have what everybody else says you have to have in order to achieve greater. So what you see on my wall, these amazing, this doctorate degree, I did not earn that in a classroom. I earned that through my body of work. And that makes me emotional because what I think to myself is... Suppose I had not started. Suppose I had stayed stuck 
in my own fears and my own negative toxic thinking about who I wasn't and who I couldn't be and imposter syndrome because of what people told me all growing up as a young girl and even into my adulthood that I couldn't be because of what I was lacking. Imagine the lives I wouldn't have touched. Imagine that these degrees wouldn't be hanging on my wall now. This was an honorary doctorate that I received in 2019. So you're talking about five, five years, less than five years ago that I got this because I had a decade of a body of work of empowering women to stand in the power of their voice, to unleash and amplify their stories and their life experiences to make their lives bigger than themselves. That's why I'm Dr. Cheryl Wood today. And it's because I got into movement 12 years ago towards a different reality, regardless of what I was felt like I was lacking at the time. I think you bring up something so important and I want to spend a second just talking about it because that took time. Like, I think we see often the highlight reel on social media. We see where someone is right now, like you started talking about, but you just talked about the amount of time it took to get there. And I think so often people think like, if something doesn't happen fast, if I don't see results quickly, I'm not going to do it. So what, what do you say to that? Yeah. I mean, you know, I I had overnight success. It only took me 12 years overnight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. It's like we are in this society where people give you their little snapshots of all the successful things that are happening now. But most of us, let's just be honest, most of us don't show the struggle part. We don't show the part that happened in the middle. We don't show the no's and the rejections and how much time it took us to get here. And that's how I like to separate my brand from all the other brands is I like to just tell the truth. Let me let me just tell you the truth about how long this really has taken. Number one, it took me years to get through my own head trash about whether or not I could and I was good enough. It took me years, I'm talking three, four years to read enough books and to sit in enough conferences and listen to enough podcasts to even believe that I could and that it was possible. So I had the desire, but my mindset did not match what it was required to be able to seek this thing out, this greater life that I wanted. Because in my mind, I was like, well, here's what you're not. Here's what you don't have. Um, But suppose people reject you. You're not enough. You're not qualified. All the mess, not, oh, you're good enough. You're worthy. You're capable. You can do it. Don't worry about the how. I didn't have that type of mindset. I created that type of mindset through what I listened to, through what I read, through the people I was connected with. And so literally over time, I could see myself shifting into this new person with a new belief system. And that new belief system helped me to create new steps and new patterns and new behaviors that led to results that I wanted. But each of those results came in different seasons of my life. Like I'm in a different season now, 12 years into my journey than I was 11 years in, then I was 10 years in, then I was nine years. And what I learned, I'll never forget this, a mentor said to me, which was so powerful because I was also the person who was trying to rush into my next and into my greatness. I'm like, I want it now. (laughs) I want it tomorrow. And she said, don't ever forget to be present in the season that you're currently in because there are certain things that you are going to only learn in this season. You will never have the opportunity to come back and learn that lesson in any other season. And it was just like a light bulb moment for me when she said that. And I've carried that with me since 2010, 2011, when she first shared that nugget with me. So don't rush, don't rush the journey. 
You cannot rush greatness. It's almost like, you know, if you've ever baked a cake, and I don't know about you, like my mom, even though we were poor, my mom knew how to whip up some flour, some butter, some eggs, a little vanilla extract, (laughs) and really bake either some fluffy biscuits or a beautiful fluffy cake. But here was the thing that she used to always say. She would say, don't dare open the oven while the cake or the biscuits are in there baking. Because if you do, what happens is you threaten that stability of the muffin or the biscuit or the cupcake. It needs to go through the process of baking uninterrupted. I think you just solved all of my cooking problems. (laughs) (laughs) Because you don't want that dip in it. And that's the thing. It's like, if you don't allow your journey to bake, then guess what? You're going to get a journey that's going to have this uncomfortable, ugly dent in it, and you're not going to get the actual end result that you want. So you've got to just kind of be in the process, be in the zone, let the things that's supposed to happen happen. And sometimes the things that are happening is supposed to be you get a no. Sometimes the things that's supposed to happen is you're supposed to be rejected. Sometimes the thing that's supposed to happen is you're supposed to fall flat on your face and have to bounce back and find that resilience muscle that allows you to get back up and try again. So do not interrupt the process because if you interrupt the process, you also alter the ultimate result. This is why I adored you from the minute we hopped on a call because I... I like, I feel like we don't celebrate rejection enough. We don't talk about it enough. We don't like put it out there. And, and I, that was my story. Like I'm twice divorced. Talk about shame. Talk Mm -hmm. about feeling like, like rejection and unworthy and all the things. And I'm so grateful for having that part of my story now. Now, when I was in it, absolutely not. I thought it was the worst thing in the world. But on the other side of it, it's like, that's why I am the person I am today. So I love that. So Let me ask you, what was your favorite, like, what's your favorite rejection that has, like, altered your life or just something that was such a learning opportunity? Um, Wow. I I have so many over 12 years. (laughs) (laughs) I have a book of rejections. Um, (laughs) I think probably the biggest rejection that I've experienced across the board and almost sometimes feels like it's consistently um, are people who do not want to collaborate. Uh, And I have this, you know, I have this big vision of this big thing I want to do. And I know exactly who I want to be a part of the vision. And, oh, it's going to be amazing. And I think things through very carefully before I present things to people. Because, I, number one, I always want to do things in excellence. I always want it to be reflective of my brand as well as their brand if I want to connect with that person um, or persons, individuals or other companies. And to present, to go through a full-blown like proposal, to create it, to invest the time in it, to be excited and energized about it and to present it to the person you want to collaborate with and to get a flat out, no, we're not going to do it. And I think the first thing that you go into is, am I not, why am I not good enough? I'm not good enough for you to collaborate with. And guess what that does? That takes me way back to the Cheryl (laughs) in 2009, who was first starting and people were telling me I wasn't good enough. You'll never be able to be on stage speaking to people because you don't have a degree that qualifies you for it. You'll never be able to make this type of money because you come from scarcity and you, you don't come from wealth. Like it really did take me back to a space of trauma, to be very honest, um, when I got those no's and those rejections. And what I learned was not to take rejection personally. And also not to be so offended 
that I turn a temporary no into a permanent no. Because maybe the person just was saying no for that moment, for that season or that project or that initiative. It does not mean that there's never going to be a time where I'm going to get a yes from that individual or that company or that organization. So being okay with hearing no, not allowing no to totally crush my spirit is the place I had to grow into. But that's been the biggest challenge is being so excited about a potential vision that you want to execute and getting a no from one of your biggest players that you just knew you were going to get a yes from. Like you have put put the proposal together so beautifully (laughs) and they give you a flat out no and and lifting yourself up, picking yourself back up from that and continuing to move forward with the vision without that potential person that you wanted to be a part. This message is for the dreamers, doers and goal getters out there. The She Who Wins Summit, a live event experience, is coming to Connecticut on April 28th and 29th, 2023. It's time to supercharge your soul so you can show up even more powerfully in your life, in your relationships, and in your business and career. Learn more at shewhowins.com. I always share that I received 113 rejections from literary agents before I got the one yes, and then we received... I don't, I stopped counting the number of rejections from publishers before we got the deal. And it was like every, and and I, for the longest time I was demoralized for it. I was like, it would impact my whole day. And then I just took it as information. I'm like, okay, so that wasn't the right one. That wasn't the right one. And you know, what's crazy. It's like three years into that journey. The truth is, had I written that book three years ago, it would not be the yes. book that it is now. And it, I wasn't ready. I was not, not ready. ready to write and that we, book. We always think we're ready, but yeah. the reje- there's a saying that there's protection in the rejection. Yeah. And sometimes you are being protected from making your stuff a hot mess because it really wasn't time. Yeah. It wasn't the right season. You needed to, you needed some more seasoning. You needed some more time in the oven for that <laughs> to really, really produce what it was yeah. meant to produce at a later time. So yeah, I love that. I mean, it changes everything when you when you have that perspective. Like it changes, it, nothing can impact you. Like you yeah. will not be bothered by the no. Yeah, I mean, even if you're bothered, I'm not gonna say I'm not bothered by the no, but <laughs> it's all, it's so temporary. It's very yeah. it's fleeting. It's like, you know, I, I am, I recently got a really big no that I was so, dis- I was really disappointed. Like I, I expected that to be the first yes. And that was the no I got. Um, and after a while I felt like, I'm like, why are you, why are you fighting this so hard? Like the no is the no. And it's a reason that there's a no, and you might not know why right now. So it hurts because you don't understand why, but there's something being worked out behind the scenes that you don't even know is happening. You don't even understand. You don't need to understand what you do need to do is to keep moving. And at some point, Maybe that no will become a yes later down the road, or you'll discover why it was a no at that time. So yeah, it did sting. It did hurt a little bit. It did disappoint me a little bit, the no, because it was, it was I really wanted it. Um, and I think that's why it's so important that we, when we have a vision, that we don't put boundaries on what the vision has to look like. Because we have our vision, and then, you know, I believe in a higher being, so for me, God has his vision. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, I got to surrender to whatever he says it's supposed to be. 
um, and get out of my way. It's, n- it's not about what I want. It's about what he knows is best for me and will allow me to play full out uh, in terms of sharing my gift with the world and bringing other great people into my community to share their greatness with the world. That that word surrender is, I think it's my word of the Q1, Q2. I mean, yeah. I, it's something I say every single day is like, I just need to surrender. Yeah. I just have to let go. So, all right. How does someone find their voice? Someone who has been silenced or feels like they're not being heard. What do they do to tap into that? I think number one, give power to your story and what you've been through. Sometimes we allow ourselves to be victimized by what we've been through. And we play that victim role so well um, that we allow it to expand long after the thing has happened to us. And so really claiming your power over whatever has knocked you down or made you feel like you were less than and saying that was a season, but I'm in a new season and I will no longer be victim to that thing. And the best way for you to no longer be a victim to the things that knocked you down or gut punched you or knocked you out in life is to share it, is to tell it. Um, I believe that there are two parts of sharing your voice. There's number one, the healing that happens for you because you are not hoarding your hurt. Like, hear me, hear me well. Stop hoarding your hurt and the things that hurt you and traumatize you and and made you feel less than. Stop hoarding that and release it. Surrender by sharing it. So the more you share something, one of the first things that people who are coming out of trauma are encouraged to do is speak about it. Share it so that you don't give power to the thing that victimized you. And so you do that by sharing your voice. You you free yourself. You help start to heal yourself. I believe it's a it's a great form of mental care, mental self care, and mental wellness is to share it. And number two, then you make your life bigger than you, and you free someone else who is currently stuck in the pain that you once were in. Because think about how powerful you are that you went through the thing that tried to take you out, the thing that crushed your spirit, but you are still here. You're on the other side of it now. You're thriving, you're soaring, you're a victor and a conqueror. How dare you come out on the other side of something? You came through the fire and now you're standing there well. How dare you not reach back and share that experience with someone else so that they can know that they too can make it through the fire and they can come out on the other side still well. So that's the importance of it. It's the importance of it is that you get to heal and you get to free other people. And so you start you start that process by simply tapping into the fact that I have something that's of value to say to other people and I will never be silent. I will not stay muted because I understand how powerful this message is that's sitting inside of me. Woo! <laughs> I love that. Oh my God. That's so freaking good. And I like, as, as I I wanted to, I wanted to like start yelling back at you and support (laughs) as you're talking, but then that would mess up the audio and my audio editors would get really mad at me, but that's, that's amazing. Um, and it is so true. Like I, I have talked about as a divorce lawyer, like, yes, I talked about divorce all day long. I never talked about my own. And then I started to, because I went on a friend's podcast and she started asking me questions and I started, it was one, one, maybe two martinis in and I started saying (laughs) things. And once I started doing that though, I realized the power of it. And that's what people wanted to hear. They didn't want to hear like the process of divorce and alimony. They wanted to hear like the emotional impact. And that changed 
everything in my life. It, you know what? It makes, it creates this human to human, heart to heart connection that cannot be replaced by any bulleted list you can share. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can, I can Google whatever you're going to tell me about the process. I can probably yeah. find it on Google. I probably have a book on my bookshelf that's going to talk to me about it. I can listen. But when you tell me your story and your personal experience and how you pressed through and got back up and the moments where you felt like you couldn't make it through, but somehow you did, that's a different experience for the listening, the person who's on the other end listening to that. And it is a, it, it awakens something in their soul that says, if she can, if Renee can, well, surely I can. If Cheryl can, surely I can. Yeah. And all it does is give them this little glimmer of light at the end, like that, like the light at the end of the tunnel, that if I can see a model of someone who's been through what I've been through and they're still standing, they got back up, they pressed through the emotion, they pushed through the pain. They didn't know all the answers, but they kept going and they figured it out. If they can, then so can I. And that's all we need to give people. We want to give people by sharing our voices and our stories is a little glimmer of hope to get up, keep going. Don't throw in the towel. Now is not the time to quit. You are not across the finish line yet, but you can get there. And people need that because, I mean, we're in a society where people are taking their lives because they feel like they cannot make it through. They can't get back up or they're going to be judged, or they're less than, or they're shame, or whatever the thing is that's surrounding what they're experiencing. And we need more people being a model of the power of possibility. So that's what you do. That's what you step into when you make a decision to share your voice and share your story and be vulnerable. And let me be clear. It's not that it's always easy to share what you've been through, right? Like in the African-American community, we have an expression like, we keep our business to ourselves. We don't share our mess. That's what I was raised to believe. Yeah. That's what, but that is the space where you hold the most power is to release it. It's to open your hands and say what I've been through. There's an expression I have that your story is about you, but it ain't for you. Yeah, It's about you because you went through it. You know what the struggle was like. You know what those painful moments where you were curled up in a fetal position feels like. But it is not for you because why would you go through something traumatic and come out on the other end and you not share it with someone else to help them get through their trauma? It's almost like a a physician. And that physician always has a notepad and a pen to do what? Write prescriptions for people. Why does the physician write prescriptions for people? Because the physician doesn't want to see that person in pain. That is the power that every single person listening to this has. You have the ability to write the prescription to someone else's pain so they don't have to stay stuck in that space. So the question simply becomes, am I willing to use my voice as a prescription for other people's pain? Yeah. Ah, that's so freaking powerful. You, you have a book out. Can we talk about that? Because I can't have a writer on here and not at least spend (laughs) a minute talking about their book. Yes. Um, okay. So don't laugh at me, but I've, I've authored 21 books. So what? <laughs> I said a book. What? 21? 21 book projects. That's insanity. Some of them are solo book projects. And I do a lot of book anthology projects because I want to create the space for more women to share their stories. Mm. And there's one thing to share it verbally. And there's so much power in that. And you can feel emotion and you can use vocal variety and all the things that communicating your story verbally, the impact that can have. 
But it is equally as important that you put it in writing because that will long outlive your physical body. Oftentimes that message that you put in that written work will go to parts of the world that you may never physically get to. And you can pass it down for generation after generation after generation. Mm. So I am a huge proponent of not only empowering and educating women to share their voice, but then creating the platforms to help them share their voice. And so book anthologies have become a really big part of that. The two current projects that I'm currently working on, which will be project number 22 and 23, uh, one is called Women Who Prosper. Now, it's your time to flourish now. And women are sharing their stories about how they are prospering even in the midst of disappointment and discouragement and getting knocked down and failures. And then there, there's another project that I'm working on in this also this year, and it's called Get in the Game. Stop being a spectator and pursue what ignites your soul. And so there will also be a cohort of women who will share their stories about how there were times in their life and their journey where they felt stuck and they felt stagnant, but they made a decision that they weren't going to stay there. They were not going to sit by and watch other people live the lives of their dreams while they were just a spectator thinking about living and creating the life of their dreams. And so they share those stories uh, in all vulnerability and all authenticity so that they understand that there's someone else out there who is just like you. They have, they struggled through the same thing. They had the same challenges, but they are on the other side of it, which means again, they have a blueprint or a roadmap to help you know that you can also get on the other side of it. So yeah, the book projects are a huge part of my brand. The anthology projects are a huge part of my brand to create the space for more women to share their stories in writing. That's amazing. Where can someone get one or all 21 <laughs> of your books? <laughs> if you just go to Amazon and type in Dr. Cheryl Wood, You'll see some of the projects that are there. Um, you can also go to my website, CherylEmpowers.com, and you'll see some of the projects there as well. And all those links will be in the notes as well. So before I ask you the final question, you're joining us at the She Who Wins Summit. I'm yes! so pumped to have you. You were one of the first calls I had with a potential speaker. And as soon as we got on the phone, I'm like, I need this woman there. Um, I And you know what? After this interview, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited to watch you. So it has been my mission to surround myself with other women who like I can learn from and just like mm-hmm. absorb all of their energy and stuff. And you are one of them. And I'm so grateful to have you joining us. Oh my goodness. I am so grateful whew, to be on this journey. Um, man, it's it's been a journey for sure. And there have been highs and lows. <laughs> there have been ups and downs, peaks and valleys. And I'm just so grateful that I am a woman who stuck with it. So that I can say, you know, I am one of those women who is winning, but then I don't want to win alone. There is a quote that I live by to always make sure you lift as you climb. And so I don't want to climb to any mountaintop by myself. I always want to make sure I'm bringing other women with me because being able to explore and unveil my gifting, my passion, my purpose in life, my zone of brilliance has created a life for me where I don't need an alarm clock. And you got to excuse me for getting emotional, but it is real. The gratitude, the depth of gratitude is real in my life for where I've come from and where I've been able to soar to, to build this seven-figure empire. And the money's great and the wealth is great, but the impact and the inspiration that I get to pour into other women globally is so much bigger than any money could ever account for. 
And so I can't wait to be in a space with other passionate, driven women who are committed to winning big in their lives, personally and professionally, as it relates to their businesses or their personal goals, like a big part of you soaring into your next season and really thriving is to make sure that you are around other like minds. And that's what you've put together, Renee, is this amazing group of powerful women who are all powerful in their own right. It's not about comparing your your power to somebody else's or looking at someone else and thinking she's better than you. It's about being in the space of iron sharpening iron. That is what you have created. And I cannot wait to be in this space to feel the energy. Energy is contagious. And all of us will infect someone else with our energy. So my goal is to come and bring this energy of fire of passion, of knowing that you have everything it takes to win big, to open new doors of opportunity, and to create a life that you're absolutely in love with, but also to make sure that your life is always bigger than you by making sure you unleash and amplify your voice, that you share your story and your experiences, that you're always transparent in what you've been through and not just telling the good parts and the juicy parts, but sharing the parts that allow you to get to the juicy parts. That's what I'm bringing yeah. to She Who Wins this summit. And I can't wait to hug your neck <laughs> and to hug one of the other women and to just soak up all of that beautiful energy that I know is going to be there because I've watched the videos from the previous summits and I knew that was a space I had to play in. Oh, I'm so, I'm so grateful. And I can't wait to hug you as well. I'm just like, I'm just, I'm so, so filled. Like so my cup is so filled. Um, but I think you, Ant, I'm going to ask you anyway. My last question that I ask every guest is what does winning mean to you? And you kind of answered it, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want you to personalize it. What does winning for you, for Dr. Cheryl Wood mean? Winning for me means pushing through anything that tries to stand in my way of me becoming the best version of me, knowing that I'm good enough, knowing that I'm worthy, knowing that I'm capable, and that I get to define success on my own terms and create a life that I'm absolutely in love with. Ah, I love it. Thank you so much. And I will see you very soon. Yes. Looking forward to it. That's a wrap. Please subscribe to the She Who Wins podcast so you'll be the first to know about every new episode that drops. Until next time, and remember, she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins.